Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Welcome into Attacking Third. I'm Jenny Chu here with Lisa Carlin, Darian Jenkins, and Christine Cupo. And we have a beautiful Monday edition for you guys. And all that's happened in women's soccer. We had a packed WSL weekend. We have Champions League coming up as well. But of course, in NWSL, plenty of trades to talk about first. I'm going to run you guys through this quick news. Well, actually, let's say hello first. Lisa, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, Jenny. I mean, I like that you want to get right into it because the offseason is nutso with free agency and trades and everything that's happening. I'm like trying to keep up to date with all these moves. So I, I appreciate you just being like, let's get into it. Let's I'm go. I'm seeing but- a really long list. So I'm like, I need to get through this. But Darian, <laughs> how was your weekend? It's been lovely. Well, I'm trying to stay warm. I'm I'm not a winter gal, so it was good. I stayed indoors the entire time. How about you, beautiful ladies? Christine? I'm I'm not a cold weather girl either, D, but um I don't know. I think I'm still like gold drunk from yesterday. There was a lot <laughs> right? Riding the high. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's been a good a good weekend. I'm I'm not a fan of the cold either. I know, Lisa, you just made the move over here. I'm not sure if you're liking the weather thus far. Well, I mean, the Philly to Connecticut, the, the weather is gonna be similar. similar. It's pretty similar. But no, I hate the cold. I, is anyone like, yeah, give me freezing temperatures every day. It's, <laughs> it's rough. It's definitely trying to stay say- warm inside. All right, guys, plenty of news to go over. So let's go ahead and talk about all these trades that have happened thus far. First of all, Kiki Pickett has signed with Bay FC through 2025. That is a two-year deal. Taylor Korniak, now known as Taylor Flint, as she has been married, has been traded to Racing Louisville. San Diego Wave will receive 150 k for that. Ella Stevens signs with Gotham FC through 2025 with an option for 2026. And Maximiliane Raul signs with Chicago Red Stars through 2024 with mutual option for 2025. 
um, via Zanerato Jao signs with Casey Current through 2024 with club option for 2025. And Cameron Bogalski signs as a restricted free agent with Chicago Red Stars through 2024 with neutral option through 2025. So that was plenty of news happening, I think, throughout the last couple of days that we have to talk about. Which one stands out to you, Christine? Uh, it sounds a lot like the Red Stars are busy doing business. Oh, I don't yeah. think anyone in particular, but I think they're just connecting some dots there that are very much needed, especially going into this season. Um, it, it seemed like, you know, Gotham obviously saw them make moves early. We saw Courage make a lot of moves more recently. Um, at Spirit, I feel like jury's still out on them. But I think that, you know, this has been sort of if we're playing a game of chess, this was just the Red Stars move. Yeah, Christine, you make a great point. Heading into the NWSL draft, so many people, fans, were looking at Chicago and saying, what are you guys doing with your roster? Because there was a lot of holes that needed to be filled. And then ahead of the draft, they trade away some of their first round picks. Um, now, they did still draft five players in the draft, but they made some moves. And so automatically, new head coach Lauren Donaldson started making those moves with Chicago. As you mentioned, they picked up uh, Cam Bogalski, who played at Washington Spirit, along with Sam Staub, who Chicago has also acquired. And now Chicago, they have 23 signings in this offseason and the free agency. They've really bulked up their roster. Um, the biggest thing that stood out to me in this list, Jenny, was that the Brazilian international Bia is headed to Kansas City. That is the 14th Brazilian in the NWSL and three with Kansas City in Dabinha and Lauren as well. Um, with Bia, she's a proven goal scorer. She can play higher up the pitch. She can check into the midfield. She has played in Brazil in, in their domestic league the last several years, and she's notched 31 goals in 43 matches at just 30 years old. She's also played in four World Cups um, with 38 international goals. So she knows how to score and find the back of the net. And frankly, Kansas City needs that, especially with all the change that they've had. And for Bia to have a bit of familiarity playing alongside international teammates, Debinha and Lauren at Kansas City is only going to help this current side get back where they want to be at the top of the standings in the postseason and ultimately in the championship. Ooh, Kansas City is making those moves. Lisa, you're right. And I was even thinking, throw in Lola Bonta into that mix and how creative this Kansas City side is going to be this next year. The one that really jumped out to me is Kiki Pickett going to Bay FC. I think that she has altered her game so much under coach Sean Nahas um, and become such a utility player. Typically we saw her as, you know, her career at Stanford as and at Kansas city as just an outside back, like purely super athletic, super technical outside back. But with that style of play that Sean Nahas has, she played in the midfield. Sometimes she was up top, she was getting assists. So I think this is a really smart move by uh, coach Albertine Montoya to bring in a player like her, who's now somewhat of a veteran in the league. It's funny. I played with her at Kansas city. So she still seems like, a little sister to me a little bit, but um, she's now a veteran in the league. And I think she's going to bring a lot to the team um, and be some sort of utility player for them where she can slot in everywhere and be a real leader. Because I think that they're, they're going to need some, some more uh, established players to really kind of bring their style of play to life and make an impact coming into this league. Because looking at all these moves, all these other teams are making, it's going to be really competitive from the jump. I, I don't know what's going to happen this year. Bay FC really, their defense is finally shaking 
like shaping up. Um, yeah. they, they made their first signing in Alex Luetta, uh, who's a defensive midi. She can play higher up the field. She can also play as a center back. But now when you look at the current roster for Bay FC with this addition of Kiki Pickett, um, they've got Emily Menges, Kayla Sharples, Caprice Didasco, Dorian Bailey, um, Alyssa Melanson, and Savvy King, one of uh, the top prospects in the draft this year. So Albertine Montoya has talked about his style of play that he wants to bring to Bay. That's attacking. That's keeping mm-hmm. possession. Uh, he even joked with us at attacking third saying, I, it's not that I don't like defense. We're going to have to defend, but I don't want to defend. I want to defend because we have the ball all the time. And there were some question marks for me. Okay. Who, how is he going to shape up this defense? Now we know that he wants veterans and really attacking minded defenders. And that's what he's getting mm-hmm. in all of these players, especially Pickett with now her ability to possess the ball and attack down the flank. Yeah, no, I love that. Even you reading off the, a lot of the other players they've signed, like, uh, Caprice, Sharples, Mengus, Savvy King, a lot of them are players that can play multiple positions. Yeah. It's a really fluid backline, minus center backs. He could, I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking, oh, he could play a three back if he wanted to. He could exactly. be a modified three five two where the wing backs do a lot of the heavy lifting um, going forward. But you're right. I really like the fluidity that we're seeing this roster come together of, okay, it's really now the math is starting to math. It's starting to make a little bit more sense. Um, and even Chicago making moves, I think we've all been really big question marks around them. Um, and I love that we're finally seeing some players, I think, sign these deals. And I will say I do believe that signing Mouse wants into a longer-term deal gives a lot of confidence. That would give me a lot of confidence going to a team like Chicago and with Lauren Donaldson now where I'm like, okay, they're seriously thinking long-term. Let's make this happen. So I'm happy to see that teams are now – really kind of making form coming into preseason, which for some teams started today. Adair, you make a really good point there. And the fact that Lisa brought up Bay FC and how they're kind of shaping up makes me think of the other expansion side and how we think that they're doing thus far with their roster. Um, Lisa, is there anything on the Royals that you think they're still missing or potentially, you know, have you have in mind with those players? Yeah, for Utah Royals, they have like shaped out their roster in terms of having depth at multiple positions. They have a couple of goalkeepers already signed to their roster. Um, But really, Jenny, the question with Utah right now is how are they going to play? I I think Mm -hmm. that even head coach Amy Rodriguez at the Royals is still trying to figure that out herself, trying to shape up her staff and and make sure that she's got all the pieces in place. And so when you look at the roster that Utah has right now and who they've who they've signed, nothing truly sticks out to me as they're going to play in a four-back or they're going to play in a three-back or with two forwards or three forwards up top. It's nothing is set in stone yet. So to kind of see how they continue to sign free agents and make trades um, because preseason is starting for these players. that They're reporting to camp and slowly things will start to unfold and it'll become more clear for the Royals and for us. I feel like with the expansion sides, that's one of the joys of these sort of births, we'll call it, is you have the freedom to put, you're creating an identity from nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes all the sense in the world that they are doing what they're doing, whereby they are essentially picking these sort of Swiss army knives of players because maybe they don't know, maybe they haven't committed yet to a certain strategy but they certainly know what they're looking for in each individual. I just It's exciting to see what they'll actually start out with this season. Um, I don't know. Bay just seems to have like a really, really fun project hand, in my opinion. So I'm definitely keeping an eye on them. Beautifully said by everyone. Um, guys, well, we're talking about Chicago Red Stars and the fact that they're shaping things up nicely. We're going to talk to Lauren Donaldson, head coach of the Chicago Red Stars next. So stay with us. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back into Attacking Third. It is our honor, honor to bring in Chicago Red Stars head coach Lauren Donaldson. He's been a topic of our show many, many times, including Jordan Anderley's cartwheel that we'll see there. Lauren Donaldson, thank you for joining us. Um, let's get started with you becoming the new head coach of Chicago Red Stars because that is the talk of the town right now. All the moves you have made. First of all, what convinced you to take the job at Chicago? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it's one of those things that um, there were some other opportunities and when I spoke with the staff here, current staff, you know, um, yeah, Babette and, you know, Ella, and obviously the owner, Laura, I think they were, and, and Karen, the, the general manager, it was convincing enough that they wanted to start something, do something different. And I'm always up for something different. So, you know, I said, yeah, I mean, I have interests and if it's something different and the owner is very passionate, Lara Ricketts. We just, I just say, you know, let's make the move and let's let's go into Chicago and my kind of town and, you know, get after it. Lauren, this is something different for you as a coach because you have a lot of experience with youth clubs and levels. Of course, your historic run with the reggae girls, the Jamaican women's national team. And now this is a new chapter for you. But your resume is really hefty. When you look back at all the different coaching that you have done, specifically at the international level with the reggae girls, how has that prepared you to take this next step into the NWSL? Yeah, the reggae girls, I mean, if we want to talk about that, that's a, that's a different level of preparation because you have to be ready for anything that's going to happen with the reggae girls. So, I mean, we, we have had a lot of adversity and a lot of good times. And in the end, we have had some good times. I've been to two World Cup with them, and it's and it's not easy, you know, dealing with what I won't go in depth with what we had to deal with. And um, but I, but obviously there was a at least there was somebody behind it, like like a Cedella Marley who was very passionate, and you know, so the coaching staff was passionate. The girls were just very resilient and passionate. So they they you know what 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 they have been through will prepare anybody to do any kind of coaching. I, I, I can't see anything harder than that. 
Uh, Lauren, we've covered a lot with the Reagan girls and actually had Sadella Marley on the show. And it was one of our favorite interviews of this last year. Um, and, you know, we congratulate you for all the work that you did with them. And I actually played with uh, Bunny Shaw when I played at Bordeaux. So I, I know her well. She's she's a character. Um, but you've coached many NWSL players that have had really decorated careers, just to name a few. Janine Becky, Jalen Howe, Mel Swanson, Svia Smith. Um, with your club career and coaching them at the youth level, is there a specific philosophy you had to kind of develop these players into the pros that we see now? And is that something you're going to take into this NWSL Chicago Red Stars team? Yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, you know, Colorado is not known for um, their, I mean, it's known now because we have a, a lot of good soccer players, but I also accredited um, all the coaches in Colorado. So, there's always a good background from the history of Colorado, Colorado soccer. But I mean, I've always, you know, one of the things that is, um, you see, you see the little things that they can do and we just try to improve it. You know, you try to improve their weakness, but you just try to keep their strength, their strength. You know, Amal Pugh is a, you know, she's good on the ball. You know, we know what she can do at a young age. And we, and I try to encourage it with all the coaches, the same thing as Sophie Smith, you know, she was a player that if, you know, if she play against her mom and she wants to score a goal and it's and she can score a hundred goals, she's gonna score a hundred goals. I mean, that was her mentality. Mal was very, very slick and smart and can score and distribute and Jalen Owl and you can go on and on. But we just find the little things in them and you know, and just try to just um, make those things better and just you know, it's demanding at times, but it's also fun. Coach, I need to ask. So you got your first cap with Jamaica, I think at 17, right? I'm As 19. a player? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 19. Um, and having played under the JFF and then also having coached within the same environment, how much do you think has changed overall for Jamaican football um, from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't changed a lot, the mentality, the thinking, the the the. I don't think, you know, especially there was no women's game then, so we can't even mention that. But there was no, the men's players, there are more better players, but I think the better, I mean, but there were some very, very good players in my time that, you know, would have walked out and played now. But in terms of the organization, I think it kind of stays the same. I think um, some of these guys have been in the organization. I mean, most, of, most people who with the JFF, they have been been there for the last, you know, 30, 35 years, and <laughs> there's no no changing. And it's mostly guys, so I can say guys. There's nothing changing these guys, and um, they're steadfast to what they believe and what they want to do. And it doesn't matter, you know, what what we come in and say as coaches, outside coaches, they actually um, want to keep it their way. Obviously, there's an election going on. You know, should have been should have happened. A week ago Sunday, but it didn't happen because there was some stuff going on, and you know the, the law and FIFA came in and kind of shut it down. So, but it's it doesn't change a lot, and hopefully, you know, we can see some change, change, changes coming. You know, I don't want to see normalization, which FIFA will come in and do because that's not good for any country. But hopefully, they can have the election, and we can get some um, people who have interest in developing the sport, male and female, move it along. Very interesting, Lorna. You know, as we talk about the Jamaican national team, I know that that has a special place in your heart. Um, I do want to shift over to Chicago Red Stars. But before we do that, I just wanted to mention when you say that, um, 
I talk a lot about being on the Mexican national team and having the same coaching staff, the same people behind the scenes for many, many years. And they have finally made a change into a, a new program where they've kind of cleared out the way for the first time in almost 20 years. Um, and from what I'm hearing from the players, it's changed everything and, and things have been very positive. So hopefully that's what happens with uh, Jamaica as well in the, in the backroom area and not necessarily the coaching staff, as you mentioned there. Um, to talk about Chicago Red Stars, um, you guys have signed some big names lately. Obviously, the re-signing of Mal Swanson and bringing in Sam Staub is incredibly exciting. What does your roster look like? What does a Lauren Donaldson team going to look like at Chicago Red Stars? Yeah, we want to, we, we, you know, I mean, I, I like player that can create some flair and some excitement. I, I think the game is is about entertainment, so we have to try to entertain as well as win. Um, so, you know, and then, they're, they're, you know, we have to be very resilient and, you know, we, we don't give away stuff. But we like playing football and going forward, you know, you know, any chance we get to go forward, you know, we'll, we will take our chances. So, but again, um, signing Miles Swanson was, um, was big for us and Sam coming in can, can anchor us in the back. You know, you got Mal up top and now obviously there's a list of, you know, veteran players here who now, you know, can stabilize stuff for us. So, but again, bringing in Sam and bringing in Sam and signing Mal, I think it will just stay. It gave us a little bit more confidence going in and it will stabilize us, the coaching staff, you know, I have Mac here with me. Mac is here and Ella is still here. And, of course, Babbitt is doing a tremendous job. You know, it's not me. She's the one who's on the phone. I don't know. I asked her if she's asleep and she, you know, she kind of just nod her head. But <laughs> she, she's been doing a tremendous job. Babbitt Peters just 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 stalking the players and, you know, getting players in. So I, I, I really credit her. I think when you look across the NWSL, former players that have slotted into GM positions similar to Babette Peters is they make a difference at the club. They've been where these players are and they understand that. Um, and I, I like how much credit you give Babette Peters. But you mentioned your bookend signings with Mallory Swanson at the front, Sam Staub at the back. These are really good players to kind of hold your team together down the spine. I want to hear about the conversations with Mallory Swanson because you've known her from her times as a youth player. Uh, she's been in Chicago. That's where her, her home is right now. Now she has signed a blockbuster deal to stay with the Red Stars for a, another four years. How did those conversations with Mallory go to get her to sign again? I think, I mean, she, I mean, you know, you know, her husband plays in Chicago. I don't think that was a, you know, you know, her husband plays here. So obviously she wants to be close to her husband, but um, knowing Mallory, knowing Mallory before, I mean, actually, because I coach her sister. So um, I'm sure Jordan will tell, tell, tell you guys, you know, I, I know her peers before Mallory was born. So it's been a long time. So we have had lots and lots of conversation with it, you know, from she was, you know, four, five, nine years old, all the way up, you know, till now. And, you know, some are, <laughs> so some of them, you know, will look at each other and just say, okay, basically go get it done. That's your job. My job is to coach. So we have had a lot of conversation and she's always been responsive. So hopefully, you know, even before this job, when we talk and we train, you know, it's a, it's always a positive thing for her to, for us to see each other and, you know, if she's struggling and we talk about it and she, you know, it's always positive. So hopefully we can, you know, re-energize the energy that we have over the years. I don't think we have lost touch, you know, even up until all this time, you know, there's always something going on, you know, with me and her and talking about football or coaching her and doing all kinds of stuff. So hopefully now she can bring it out again 
You know, we know what she has, we know what she can do, and that's what I'm going to try to squeeze out of her, you know, to get this franchise up and going the way we want it to go. Lauren, we believe in you. We have been excited for Mal Swanson's return and excited to see you two kind of take this league by storm this coming year. I wanted to hear, you know, Chicago's obviously gone through a lot of change in the last few years, and a lot of players have kind of left the team and you've acquired new players. How are you going into this locker room and getting these players to buy in? I think there's a lot of interest around how you kind of jump into this completely new team. You have a new slate, new ownership, and you signed these massive players. What What's your approach going in that's going to get all of these players to really buy into your system and to the season? And you can uh, yeah, and you can say it's bad or good that we have lost some players because, you know, sometimes stuff just kind of lingers on. There's players coming in blindly and just – doesn't you know, you know some of the cultural some of the cultural stuff. So we got to um, come in here with a new culture, starting from the top all the way down, from the ownership all the way down to to our equipment equipment manager. I mean, everybody has to be on the same page, and that's how we're gonna come into it. And just people have to be accountable, coaches, players, everybody. So and it's gonna be, you know, as I said, it will be demanding at times, and um, with a lot of funds at times, and. Um, there's no such thing as fun if you're not winning. It's very difficult. So, you know, if we want to have fun, we got to figure a way how we're going to win games. And um, with the coaching staff we have and so, some of the experience behind it and some of the players, you know, I just think I'm looking forward to some good stuff from the players and coaches. Coach, if you could choose one word to describe what you hope to see this season ahead, if you have to just choose one banner word, what do you think you'd pick? Relentless. That's scary. That's a threat. I don't know. It's, it's a threat. I think, I mean, just, you just got to be relentless. You got to get after it. Yeah, you're going to do the yeah, work. I mean, I mean, I don't know what we're going to say for it, but we just got to be relentless and um, and just trust, you know, trust the next person to you, next to you and we got to trust each other and just be relentless about it and, you know, go after it. Like I'm going to clip word. this and keep this my personal pep talk, coach. <laughs> 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 send it send it around, Koopo, please. Uh, Lauren, one more question. You have the infamous somersault after the reggae girls move forward. Can we expect another celebration? Say, you know, your first win as Chicago Red Stars head coach or, you know, you win something this year. Do you have a celebration in mind we can look forward to and maybe have Jordan on the show to recreate it again? I, I don't know. I mean, what are you going to do? That was just spontaneous. You know, you're playing in the World Cup and, you know, whatever, some, something just happened. And I just like, okay, you know, this deserves something. I don't even know what I did. People were telling me, you just did that. I'm like, what? I mean, you know, so who knows? Who knows? You know, we, we just hope we can just um, put everything together. And this time it's the, the players, the players who I would love to see celebrate, you know, and I just watch it. So it's so my you're telling to, me. Yeah. You, you're telling me you haven't been practicing your gymnastics. No, no. That, I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't recommend that at all. Coach, no. <laughs> Lauren Donaldson, a Chicago Red Stars head coach. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you on. And most importantly, we'll be watching you this season and look forward to you and everything that you do to the organization. Yeah, I mean, I want to thank you all. It's a great show. I'm, I think you guys do a tremendous job for the game and um, just keep up the good work. And, um, you know, you guys are just wonderful people that comes on and just promote the game. You guys, you guys are great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to head to a quick break and we'll be recapping the WSL weekend when we return. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back into Attacking Third. We talked about the weekend results from WSL. Let me run you through them and then we can go ahead and dive in to the specifics of every match. West Ham against Tottenham. Tottenham getting the 4-3 win. Manchester City beat Liverpool 5-1. Brighton beating Bristol City 3-2. Chelsea winning against Manchester United 3-1. Arsenal beating Everton 2-1. And Leicester City losing to Aston Villa 1-0. Let's go ahead and start with Chelsea against Manchester United because it was going to be an exciting one. This was one that we were waiting for quite a bit. And I just want to go ahead and start off before I throw it to you guys and say that everything I said about Lauren James needing Sam Kerr to shine, I take it back right now. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I'll let you guys go before I continue. My, <laughs> I take it <laughs> Go. Well, what I think the issue was where she wasn't shining is that I don't think she fits in as a nine in this team. I think she needs a little bit more of a free-flowing position where she can come in outside of the 18, which we see either from a deeper position or just wide, because she needs the space to kind of dribble, assess, and then finish. The girl can literally score from everywhere with both feet. It's it's incredible. Um, also, free the fro. I'm, yes. I want it out there that she rocks the free-flowing fro for every game because scoring hat tricks against United, like, that is crazy. Um, but She's such a baller. We gas her up every single week, and she's just proving us right game and game again. Um, but I love that she's heating up against her old team as well to score a hat trick. And then her celebration had me hyped around my kitchen. I, I, lo- I love watching her play. <laughs> I, I agree. need more I think- back in. Back in. Yes. More of the taunting the fans and yes. not the fans alike. I love Come it. Like, if you're going to do it, I'm just saying, like, you got to put it up and out there. Or you don't. But if you're going to actually just sit there and talk your shit, be Lauren James. Because you're unimpeachable. I think one of the biggest things was the second goal from Lauren James. The ball from in behind. It was a beautiful ball in. But she doesn't even bring it down. She just takes a one-touch shot. Like, you can tell the amount of skill it is for it to drop perfectly. And this is against Mary Earps as the goalkeeper, okay? This is not like an empty net that she's just hitting it like securing to make sure that she has the right touch. No, she takes a one-time shot over... The skill there, absolutely beautiful. For Manchester United, I thought that JC and Garcia, you know, they have the possibilities up front to build up and to, to make things happen. But with Lauren James on your side, Chelsea just, they have the patience in the box to continue to turn and pass and the guts and the composure. Things are, are looking way better for, for Chelsea. And I just, again, want to apologize to Lauren James. You don't need Sam Curry. You got it yourself. You are the one. 
It's my bad. Well, Jenny, Jenny, I don't think you're the only one that thought that, right? A lot of Chelsea supporters were saying without Sam Kerr, without Millie Bright, how is this Chelsea side going to continue to stay at the top of the Super League table? And um, obviously with Lauren James playing deeper into the midfield, a me official ahead of her, it's more natural position for Lauren James to not be the number nine where we saw her in the FA Cup. But uh, also Chelsea, they signed the Swedish defender Bjorn, who started in the center back position alongside Kadisha Buchanan. That was a hole to fill because the return of Millie Bright following her injury is still uncertain and unclear. And I think defensively in the second half, Buchanan and Bjorn got tested a little bit with the runners coming from United between them going on their outside shoulders. And they did a great job tracking back and making sure that they kept the space behind them really condensed. And if the ball did get there, they were able to cover for each other. And also Bjorn had the assist on the second goal to Lauren James. So her vision from the back line to be able to send balls forward. Um, I, I like it. I like this pickup for Emma Hayes and Chelsea in, in the Swedish defender in the back line. Absolutely. And Emma Hayes set up this side to play against the United press. And United did not show up the way they normally do. Chelsea absolutely showed up like, I don't know, like a first iteration of Chelsea, the good Chelsea. At times we saw, and I know I criticized Lauren James too for trying to play that nine role and God bless her for trying. But there were times when you saw them playing like a front, a front five with me official. Um, and they were just so efficient. They were clinical in their passing. Um, Cuthbert had an amazing match. I think, though, too, with United, that second half, you know, Chelsea seemed to take their foot off the gas. And they weren't even, you know, and that's fine when you're ahead. But they stopped defending in a lot of ways, which kind of opened that gap. Otherwise, they were having a party. United were giving them too much space. Um, it, it just seems like, for me, that United side without Alessia Russo doesn't have the teeth that it once had. But um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if, if Chelsea can manage to continue to play the way that they have in the beginning of that match, that was beautiful. Um, I don't really have any notes on anybody having a poor match, but like Lauren James now like being the top scorer across both men's and women's for Chelsea. Shout for this out. Season, At Stanford. What really, a Lauren. Yeah. Huge. Oh, home, yeah. My I mean, thing is so her. We hype her so hard, but she deserves it because at one point she was literally doing like a drill by herself, tippity tapping the ball laterally down the touchline. And I'm like, it's unfair. Can I have some of that? So she actually, the way the games were played this past weekend, Chelsea, uh, their kickoff was ahead of Man City. So Lauren James actually took the lead in the Golden Boot race before, of course, Bunny Shaw then took the pitch. And Oh, I want this back. (laughs) You're leading us straight into it. Why don't we go straight to Manchester City against Liverpool? The 5-1 to one win. What a game from Khadija Bunny-Shaw, Holy by the cow. way. Um, but Liverpool gets on the score sheet first, okay? So Kiera Keating comes out of her box, and then Taylor Hines deserves some credit for the looping ball that she put in out of reach from the goalkeeper. But after that, it was the Manchester City show. Darian, you said you played with Bunny-Shaw, so why don't you talk about her performance there? Oh, I mean, she's... Okay, I expect her to come into games and score goals. I, I, I'm i surprised when she doesn't score. I think it's an anomaly now at this point where she's not racking up one, two, three, four goals. Um, but again, incredibly impressive. She's involved in basically every single chance that they get. I love that uh, her play this game. I thought she dropped a lot deeper than she usually does to kind of I don't know if this is something they went into the game thinking that they're going to pull Liverpool's back line out of position and it worked really well um, because my word, was she on fire? But 
I honestly think Liverpool were their own worst enemies. Um, I think something maybe they worked on. I was trying to go through their tactical strategy watching the game. And they must have said, oh, we're, let's really play out of the back. Let's use Tegan Micah a lot, which is my homegirl. Rough game, rough game, but it happens. Um, we're going to play through the back line a lot, try to pull them out of position, and then dump balls over the top and just pounce on them. It worked once, and they got the goal. And then after that, playing out of the back became their they shot themselves in the foot, became their Achilles oh. heel because City's press was too good. They started yeah. reading it. They started picking off balls. Yeah. They weren't playing firm enough passes. The clearances weren't good. Honestly, the midfield was a really bad mismatch, in my opinion. I thought uh, Liverpool's midfield didn't look like they really wanted to get on the ball. They looked timid. Um, or like maybe they were looking to run away for the second ball after a long ball, but they were trying to play feet from the back line. So... All in all, I think City tactically was better. They finished their chances. They capitalized on Liverpool's mistakes. Um, and Bunny Shaw, she's unstoppable right now. She's she's killing it. I'm I'm not surprised at all. Like she was in my FIFA best eleven, and I stand on that. Deservingly stand so, deservingly so, Darian. But you talk about that high pressure that City had. I mean, absolutely incredible. If you're Liverpool, what are you doing playing with it in the back? I could not understand. I couldn't I grasp why the goalkeeper is putting her defenders in those situations or why they would try. When Bunny Shaw is pressuring you, yeah, even so. Yeah, the own goal was hers too. I mean, that needs to have an asterisk that's like, just put little bunny paw prints on like these own goals that she manages to force because that was all her pressure. It's crazy. Now think about this this way, right? Big picture, okay? You have Arsenal trying to gain on Chelsea, doing a pretty yep. good job. You have City trying to gain pretty good on Chelsea. We've got Gold Cup in a month and Bunny Shaw ain't going nowhere because no Jamaica. So that's a good point. I'm just saying, if she stays like she is with, with everybody else getting drawn for national duties, she's a heady. Yeah. 100%. But Jenny, to answer your question, I think Liverpool was just, they must have been working on that going from training this week and tried to yeah. put it into the game. And I think it was a tactical breakdown that they didn't adjust enough, especially in the second half. I thought, surely they're just going to go long. They're just going to send numbers forward. They're going to put Vanderson in and have some speed going forward. And it, they should it just, have. <laughs> they, I mean, they subbed her in, but way too late. I, I think it, it didn't make sense tactically. And then City was like, well, if they don't change it, just keep pressing. And they did. Yeah. And yeah, what Darian, do you know? Galazzo. You're 100% spot on. Because how does Liverpool not change it after realizing? They didn't okay, change any you know tactics. They're, they're pressuring us high. Bunny Shaw's coming at us. Every player is picking us off here in the final third. Let's change it. And they didn't. And I think that that's a coaching error. That's a tactical error for sure. Another thing is that she's so much taller. And on the corner kick, uh, clear disadvantage if you're up against Bunny Shaw. Like, I'm not even going to go and jump up if I'm up against Bunny Shaw. And that's why I don't play professional soccer because I'm a wuss. But, like, she's going to win it every time. Um, sorry. I just – I couldn't believe how – head and shoulders above Manchester City was on Liverpool because I thought that was definitely one to watch match-wise. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of disappointed in that, Lisa. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think with the winter break, so many teams try to adjust whatever wasn't working for them in the first half of the season and work on those things during that month off where they have the time to do that. Clearly, Liverpool was trying 
to possess a little bit more and build out of the back. And it was almost like they had an all or nothing mentality in like, okay, we're only going to do this and not adjust where you can't do that when you're going up against a side like city when they're clicking right on all mm-hmm. the right cylinders and, and they're able to capitalize on all of your mistakes. Maybe on another day, it would have worked out a little bit differently, but you have to be able to adjust and be adaptable in these games, especially in the super league and especially in the second half of the season when you know what you're getting from your opposition. Wonderful. You guys mentioned Arsenal there. Christine Kubo is an Arsenal fan. Arsenal gets the 2-1 to win against Everton. Beth Mead gets her fourth goal in nine matches. It's great to see her back and firing on all cylinders. Emily Fox made her WSL debut as well. Take us through it, Christine. Well, we had Emily Fox start, debut WSL. She nearly had an assist for herself in the bag, um, send a ball across to Russo, just wasn't able to connect. Um, Arsenal really turned up the pressure on Chelsea. And there should have been more goals in this match than there had been. Uh, front four of Arsenal's, you know, me, uh, Mead, Ford, Lester, Russo, and, and Viv. I don't know, somebody who's good with XG has helped me budget. My family's dying. Like, they definitely should have had more goals um, over this Everton side. But um, absolutely perfect. They just need to score more. I, the only thing I want to say is Emily Fox fits this side with Jonas Edeval and this Arsenal team with her ability to get forward, to cut inside. It just adds a different layer and dimension and, and forces, frankly, Arsenal sixes to play a little bit more with it. Um, I know you like it, Christine, but I, I really Only like one. it. <laughs> I think it's a really good move for her. And, and frankly, when, when we talk to North Carolina coach, um, head coach Sean Nahas about Fox. He was like, this is going to be a good move for her. And it is like, think of how she's going to be able to develop her game playing with this Arsenal side. That's only going to help her at the international level and, and throughout her career because she is so young. This is only her third, fourth year being a professional out of college. Yeah, that's so, so seamless in that transition, though. I don't remember the last player I saw go from NWSL like that directly into WSL or any international play without even the slightest hiccup. She just looks very at home, which is a little bit jarring. Um, We know she's as good as she is, just kind of expected a little bit of more time to to kind of gain some traction. But to go from zero to 100 like she has, to get the start, to look so confident as she's playing, I just, I want to see what kind of monster they turn her into. Yep. She was getting incredibly high at right back opportunities on the attack. It's great to see her doing well. Go heels. Um, now we go to West Ham against Tottenham. That was a three to four game, seven goal match. We love to see it. Oh, um, so Darian, what, what stood out for you here? Uh, goals, goals, goals. It's <laughs> rain and goals. It was such a good game. Probably the game I didn't expect to have a lot of goals. It was kind of last of the day. I was expecting it to be one, maybe two, zero, two, one, if it's an exciting match. Um, but I was shocked. It was a really fun game to watch super back and forth and love to see our American Gotham go baddie, get her debut and get an assist and gave me some laughs watching her try to take a corner kick with the, <laughs> the wind in England. That looked so brutal. And she was asking the ref for help to hold the flag and the ref finally did. So but funny. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Great meme. Um, but yeah, it was a really good game. I love seeing the, the competition of both teams and all of these players that have been acquired um, start to really find their groove in the WSL. Um, but yeah, Tottenham came out on top, uh, you know, you're going to let some goals in. You got to score some more goals than they did. And it's it was fun to watch. Not Those games aren't really fun to play in. They're kind of fun when you win, but you still let goals in. But really fun game to watch as a fan. 
Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed this game, and not only because there were seven goals and we did get to see the debut of of Christy Mewis in the midfield, um, but because of it, the relentless of both of these sides, right? When you look at, at West Ham, where they are in the standings, they're fighting a, against relegation at this point. So every single point matters. And you could see that the way that they fought from being down 2-1 to and then 3-1 to then come back 3-2, 3-3, they tie things up and you think, okay, this is their opportunity to kind of create some separation from the bottom of the table where they are just ahead of Bristol City on goal differential. Now West Ham can, can take this next step. They signed so many new players over that winter break, of course, including Christy Mewis um, and some other players that were they were able to bring in and they ultimately can't do it. And they fail, fall just short of Tottenham. Selena Zdorsky, also part of that crew that they brought in. It was kind of devastating. And and Katrina Bori, Lisa. Yes, thank you. I was like trying to think of all these players they brought in. I wanted to like, go ahead, Christine. Sorry. We have to give a shout to Grace Clinton because yeah, she is yeah. playing more freely than ever with that brace. But also that second goal was like 20 yards out. It was an absolute rip. Um, I think she's going to go on a tear the rest of the season. She seems to really fit in that Spurs side and she's just getting cozy now. Um, I do think it was interesting and it probably is just a matter of uh, the result of having a really chaotic match, which is full of goals. But to me, like Spurs second half was way sloppier and I still oh, thought... Yeah could have came back from that um but really spicy spicy match i wasn't expecting to be just eating goals for breakfast watching these matches but i'm not complaining well the thing about west ham is even though they've made all those changes like lisa mentioned there you know adding um these different pieces into their team they haven't kept a clean sheet in 12 matches so their inability to you know, keep the ball out of the back of the net, no matter how many goals they're sh- they're scoring, if they can't keep it out of their net, the goal differential is never going to help them get out of that relegation zone and be at the bottom of the table. All right, guys, it is the last week that you can vote for us. So make sure you guys go to our Instagrams, our Twitters, and click the link and go vote. Even if you've already voted once, you can vote once a day and we would genuinely appreciate it. We'll send you a video saying thank you. or It's a burner. Whatever <laughs> Tell it your is. friends. Yeah, t- send it to your friends. You know, give them a, a penny for it, whatever it may be. Um, tell your grandma to vote for us as Courtney Stith, our producer said, please, that, that means the world to us. That would really help us. Um, and that's all for Attacking Third today. I'm really glad you guys joined us here on Monday. And I love seeing you guys every Monday and Friday, ladies. So we'll see you Friday. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.